You're listening to New England Public Radio News. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. Joining us today, Cynthia Simison, Managing Editor of the Springfield Republican, and the Reminder Newspapers, Mike Dobbs. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Susan. The Boston Globe reported that Massachusetts Governor Baker recently left the state to attend a conservative gathering. He left the lieutenant governor in charge and didn't make it public. Here's Pat Beaudry from the state Democratic Party. It speaks a lot about Governor Baker's views on transparency, that he thinks that he can just kind of slip out of the Commonwealth whenever he feels like it. But yesterday on WGBH, Baker said this. That won't happen again. Anytime I travel outside Massachusetts, we'll make sure everybody knows that I've traveled outside Massachusetts. Cynthia, legitimate concerns or much ado about nothing? I think it's much ado about nothing. He did fly coach. He was on a plane filled with Massachusetts people who, you know, high-fived and took selfies with him. Uh, Not so secret. What do you think, Mike? I'm more interested about what happened at the conference. I'm more interested in finding out... uh, If uh, this is a stop Trump effort or they were drafting names for uh, people to uh, be candidates at the convention or vice presidential nods, that type of thing. Well, do you have any expectation that the governor would say anything publicly about that? Well, I, I doubt that he'd say anything publicly, but to me, that's the more interesting part of this story. Well, he did say in that interview on WGBH that he wasn't involved, wasn't part of those Um, You know, it's a huge event every year. Interestingly, last year, Jeb Bush was a guest and Ted Cruz was there. You know, I think it is much ado about nothing. All right. Well, a judge this week ruled that Holyoke, Massachusetts needle exchange program has to stop giving out syringes in four months if it doesn't get the city council's approval. Tapestry Health Systems already had support from the mayor and the local board of health, but several councilors had sued. Here's council president Kevin Jourdain, who says his move is not aimed at the program itself. I mean, take needle exchange completely out of it. It could have been any host of a number of local approval laws, there's tons of them, I would have filed the same lawsuit. Mike, are you buying that, that this move has nothing to do with a judgment about needle exchange? No, no. This was, um, I, I think that this was uh, Kevin Jordan's effort to reinforce the, the authority and the involvement of the city council in this particular issue. I don't think that this is a, a broad issue. I think this is a narrow issue, and the narrow issue is needle exchange in the city of Holyoke. What's your understanding, Cynthia? Um, I concur with Mike on this one, definitely. I think uh, Kevin Jourdain and Alex Morse frequently butt heads, often, um, almost daily sometimes. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the council votes on this. Um, the at this week's meeting, there was a public speakout. A lot of neighbors to the exchange had very positive comments, and this is a public health issue. Um, Tapestry Health distributed some 100,000 clean needles in Holyoke last year. So I'm wondering if you think that kind of fact alone justifies the decision to have the program. We're in the middle of a heroin crisis, and needle exchange is a small part of dealing with that crisis. And frankly, I think that anyone wanting to see some sort of positive movement in dealing with heroin 
would want to keep the needle exchange there, understand its purpose and the role it plays in trying to get people who are addicted into treatment, because this is sort of like the an entry way to a discussion about treatment. And do you think that it's possible, though, that the city council will have an effective way of, you know, stalling this decision or affecting it? I hope they don't stall it. I hope they address it head on. Um, clearly, needle exchange has proved its worth in um, helping uh, uh, cut the, the spread of HIV and other diseases that um, is an important part of this epidemic. All right. Well, opponents of a ballot question to expand charter schools launched their campaign to defeat a ballot measure that's likely to appear in November. Mike, this debate, charter schools versus public schools, is about as perennial as the pluses and minuses of standardized testing. Where do you see the policy going? Well, if you talk to any school superintendent, on or off the record, they're going to tell you that charter schools siphon money away from their public districts at a time when they have multiple mandates that they have to fulfill for the education of special needs students, for testing, et cetera, et cetera. They really feel that charter schools don't play on an even playing field. Um, and I, I can understand their concerns, and I can understand why there are people who look at charter schools and see that um, they're not very democratic in, in how they go about their business of educating kids. They have a loyal following, however, Cynthia. So what do you say to them? But, and, but they do have limited seats. And, and you know there's a waiting list of, what is it now, 42,000 children in Massachusetts who are on waiting lists for charter school admission. Um, Dan Warwick in Springfield has been very out front about the amount of dollars that it takes away from his system being able to pay for public schools. But we know that the kids that go to these schools and the kids on that waiting list tend to come from a single demographic. Correct. How do you speak to those families? Uh, that's an important issue, and I think that there needs to be a robust discussion um, about that issue. What about those that get served by charter schools? And well, it's, it's, it's almost more important about those who don't get served when you have children who may have behavioral problems or learning problems or special education needs in a charter school, it's interesting that a lot of times the char charter schools seemingly shed those students. They are back in the public schools. It is the public school's responsibility because they want to maintain this image that they are a superior educational model. Cynthia, this, this could appear on a ballot alongside a question about legalizing marijuana. So both of these issues are going to result in loads of campaign spending and attention. Could the ballot questions, even in a presidential year, monopolize election conversations in Massachusetts? It could, and it should. I, I think it's an important issue that needs to be addressed by, by voters in this state. What about all the ballot questions? Do you think that they will override, in a sense, some of the attention? I, think, I hope and I think it will bring out more voters to the polls, and it's about time. All right. Well, that's the last word. Cynthia Simison, managing editor of the Springfield Republican and the Reminder newspaper's Mike Dobbs. Thanks for being here. And thank you, our listeners, for tuning into The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. This is New England Public Radio. I'm Susan Kaplan.